All right, we are back for another week of this fun podcast that we like to call for the wannabe superheroes, and I am joined by the usual suspects, Mr. Dan Weber. How are you doing today? Good, brother. How are you doing, man? It's a nice day. What a gorgeous day out today. It's If we could get another month of weather like this in Wisconsin, 65, no breeze, bright sun, my life would be a better place. You and me both. Although I heard it's supposed to hit 70 tomorrow, and that seems kind of ridiculous for Wisconsin in October. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> Certainly won't complain, I guess, because the snow's going to be here any minute. And the third member, of course, is Nick Ruth. Nick, how you doing? Good, good. Not so great after the weekend. Having some duds. Um, also, I'll be Debbie Donner. It's supposed to snow this weekend. So, What the enjoy. fuck? <laughs> You're joking, right? No, they're saying northern Wisconsin get a foot or so. We should get some flurries here in southern. Ugh. Don't say the S word on this podcast. It's banned, at least until after Thanksgiving. Anyways, great segue, Nick. There were a lot of duds this last week, and perhaps the biggest of them all, you know, maybe starts with Zane. And before he could get to that dud, he decided to make a trade. And that trade involved Zane and Sam. And the trade details were Sam sends David Montgomery and a 2020 fourth round draft pick to Zane for Debo Samuel and a 2020 first round draft pick that is currently owned by my team. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. Um, so I'll just kind of open this up, you know, to whoever wants to jump in first. Uh, what's kind of the initial take on this deal? So the initial take, Sam gives up a running back, rookie running back, decent starter, consistent 10-point-plus floor. Um, well, no, I shouldn't say consistent. He had 210, but consistent productivity. He gets fourth, sends his fourth, which will probably be 4.1. He gets back a wide receiver that's pretty unknown. Um, hasn't done too much. Had one big blow-up game, which potentially could be the outlier. And he gets a first-round pick, which is big. Most likely going to be a late first, if I was betting. Overall, pretty even trade. Maybe just because of the first-round pick, slight edge to Sam. But Montgomery hopefully lives up to the hype. And you can say the same about Debo. So, I don't know. See, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree a little off of that so this is how i view it is montgomery was taken in the first round of the draft so all all we're basically watching have happen here is we're exchanging david montgomery for a first round two over pick um th- that that's how i view it then you look at the fact that debo samuel exchanges for a fourth that debo's worth more than a fourth in my mind um understanding that he hasn't put some things up i i think this is a, this is a great trade uh, for 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 getting Debo Samuel and getting the first round draft pick back, I think it's huge. I, you get a chance to redo part of it, and anybody—I mean, we're all Bears fans sitting in here. You'd be foolish not to be saying we're going to hit the panic button and what they're trying to do with David Montgomery and, and work him into part of the offense. You don't run the ball right now, and it's a, it's an ugly piece to it. I think this is a great trade. Yeah, I mean, I agree from the Bears' perspective. At this point, the run offense is atrocious the blocking just doesn't exist the bears offensive line is overpaid and underperforming across the board and david montgomery he's definitely like a patient runner but you can't be patient when defenders are like a yard into the backfield he doesn't have like the elite game-changing attributes that can 
work with a shit line. So I'm definitely concerned about that. Um, when you have those situations, it doesn't make sense, or it, it's it really presents pres- wow, it really prevents a running back from succeeding. Um, but on the flip side, I mean Montgomery is getting the workload, and if you, in fantasy football, a lot of the times it just comes down to the opportunity. So when you have a running back that can be the workhorse, that's worth a lot. And from Zane's side, I do get it. You know, this is a guy that's been starting Frank Gore um, for, I think, every game of this year. And Frank Gore has been decent, okay, but he's probably not good enough to be the second running back. So I get Zane wanting to make this move, but I just, I'm with you, Dan. It's, I definitely like it for Sam. Nick, I, I see I'm going to jump in. in. You know, yep. I agree with that. Frank Gore has actually been amazing. But he's also starting Miles Sanders, who is not getting a workload. Jordan Howard is kicking his ass in every facet of football. So he's getting a team's RB1 to pair with another team's RB1. So now he has two actual starting running backs. His wide receiver core was insane. You know, granted Odell is underperforming. But you put Lockett, Odell, that's, and then Hopkins, who's also underperforming. He's building it nice. I, you figure Montgomery went, what, 1-3? He's trading possibly 110 to 112 for Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Montgomery went 6 in our rookie wow. draft. So, okay, he went a little later than I thought. He should have probably gone 1-3, 1-4. For reference, just for people keeping track at home, it, it went Kyler, Josh Jacobs, Dwayne Haskins, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Nikhil Harry, and then David Montgomery. Okay. Yeah, and I'm sure some podcast will retackle the draft. That's a whole nother episode. But yes, still, absolutely. you're getting a running back who generally was going top half of the draft for a 110, 111, 112. Most likely 111, 112 if I was a betting man. That's great I, I'm value. okay with that great value but okay let me jump in there all right let me jump in though so okay 2019 draft obviously you know no arguing with that you traded a guy that some drafts he was the second overall pick some drafts maybe even the first overall pick david montgomery had a lot of hype i will 100 percent agree with that on the flip side everyone that reads and knows dynasty football knows about this island on the horizon the sanctuary called the 2020 rookie draft class and so far, it's living up to a lot of hype. How, I mean, Nick, how do you value that when looking at this 2019 draft class? Like, where's kind of the cutoff, or is there a cutoff? There is. Um, it depends what you're going for. In Sam eyes, Sam's eyes, I view he's probably going quarterback heavy. With these quarterbacks, they're probably going to go one, two, three. Um, maybe if somehow a team that actually has competent quarterbacks gets one, then they're going to go late. A quarterback could fall. You might go Swift or one of the wide receivers. Yes, 2020 looks great. But I feel like every year we're like, oh, but that next class, though, that next class, though, and some at some point you got to put talent on the field. I agree. I think when you look at part of that, too, it's <clears throat> how do you value what you see right now for what you hope to see? I mean, think about the... Weird. What's the what was the biggest name that was coming out of coming out of college going into this year's draft? Who was that player? 
Um, for this year, I mean, Josh Jacobs probably had the most hype towards the end of the year. Um, but, but I mean, maybe this time last year, it was probably who, I mean, maybe. I mean, when you, when you think about part of that too, I mean, the fact that you have to question part of that, that and who the big name was just goes to show you that it's really irrelevant at this point in time. You want to try and put value right here, right now on this. And that, that deters you from taking the, the draft pick strategy draft picks are great they help you rebuild for the future but they're a dime a dozen depending on if you hit big or if you don't um i mean david montgomery went sixth overall in our draft and he's the second best rookie running back that we have on on the boards here uh, it's an interesting way to look at it when you value again when we go down the redraft strategy where all these guys would fall after you understand who they are um but i but i agree with with mr ruth you need talent that you can physically see and do versus playing on something that you hope is going to pan out. Yeah, I would say, I'm, to answer your question, I would say Nikhil Harry probably this time last year was looking like the consensus top player. Um, so and he hasn't, six even played, he hasn't even played a snap. No, no, I know, but I'm saying the... He, and six months later, he did end up going in the first round in the rookie draft. So there was at least some correlation between what we saw at the top of the draft and that continuing in the rookie draft yeah i mean you look at two years ago bryce love was everyone's one one pick yep agreed so it's just hard to gauge college is a whole different animal you look at on the aspect of draft picks missing laquan treadmill jamarcus russell i mean those are the big ones but there's a lot that have kevin white i mean you can get those players high because they had draft capital, decent situations. Do you really want the starting running back for the Miami Dolphins? I mean, even if Swift goes there, do you really want that over Montgomery, who's a better offense potentially? Well, okay, let's—I'll just throw it out there. Are we sure the uh, is the Bears' offense for sure a good? fit for a running back and two are we sure montgomery's talented for the nfl because if we look through the first five weeks i'm not sure that the results would necessarily indicate that so what do you guys say to that yeah i i can't deny that point i mean just looking through his weeks here he has faced the number five run defense the number 11 run defense the number 11 run defense which I guess probably changed from week four to week five. Then the Broncos was 20, as it stands right now. He put up 14 points. He faced the Redskins at 29. That game script, it got away from it got away from the running, at least Montgomery running, because why get him injured when you're winning by 20 some points? So game script I think has played a part. You know we were playing catch up against the Raiders. That hurts him. Cohen's gonna get the reps. Vikings was, oh, fuck, Mitch is done. What do we do? Just win. Defense, win it. Offense, don't fumble. Do you want a rookie handling the ball there? Eh. The Broncos game, his best game, was probably his best script. I'm going to stop you there. In the Vikings game, David Montgomery touched the ball 24 times. So they do have a lot of faith in him. (laughs) A lot of faith in him. (laughs) I just looked at his carry count. But that, again, is a stout defense. His matchups haven't been great. Um, Touche. Yeah, no doubt about that. Redskins, Broncos, his two best matchups, his two best scores. When Mitch comes back and starts running, I think that's going to be the X factor for him. You look at what 
Lamar Jackson's doing for their run game. You look at what Kyler's doing for their run game. Running quarterbacks help running backs. And I think in the long run, Mitch is young. Is Mitch going to stay there? Whole nother question. Mitch is young. Montgomery's young. It's a great combination. And I'd much rather have that piece than a team that has a wide receiver who's running for 300 yards a game. All right. At the end of the day, there's a lot of unknown, and we probably won't be able to fully rule on this trade until a year from now. And even then, we're going to have Sam having a rookie draft pick that'll probably need another year. So I I get the both sides of it. Um, but let's let's move on. That was a, a lot of debate for one trade. Um, and kind of, I guess, continue with saying he's been a shoehorned in on these podcasts of late. Um, first, he loses to Sam. Now, this week, he loses to Jerry. Um, and this is after the trade, after he probably thought he got a running back of the future, someone he could count on. Um, I, I feel like this is a reoccurring question to ask, but does Zane need to push the alarm and raise the white flag what's what's going on here i 100 percent will yeah i'll let yeah. you go webs but i would 100 percent will yep i'm i'm all aboard the panic button here I, when when you look at um just the difference in in scoring for the points that he's put up versus the points that he's put against he's almost even stevens which means 95 percent of his matchups have actually been the coin flip for potential points that he could put out to the points that he's had scored against him and yeah he's had what one two three fifth most points scored against him right now um which is which is discouraging but it's he's just not putting points up that that he needs to when you look at the fact that points being scored there's multiple teams well over the the 700 mark and he's at 615 and it's a scary piece. It, I think there's definitely a sellable piece to it. Unless he's going to use those first-round picks to buy talent and buy heavy and buy quick, I, I think it's a sell mode, and you're playing for next year. Yeah, I mean, you are playing for next year. I mean, that was his strategy ever since losing Locke. So he's stuck to the process, for lack of a better catch phrase. Is Rodgers unperforming, underperforming? Yes. Is Miles Sanders underperforming? Possibly rookie running back. They just traded for Jordan Howard. We didn't know how that was going to go. Is Odell Beckham underperforming? Hell yes. Is DeAndre Hopkins underperforming? You certainly bet he is. So to sell some pieces, I completely get. You know, there's certainly some talent he has. He can unload, get some picks, get some young talent. Um, but he has a phenomenal core. And that's what I would build around. You literally blame this on just the fact that it's underperforming. You you don't blame it on anything else other than these players that he has just have shat the bed every single week. I mean, his running back core isn't underperforming, mostly. I'd say they're probably performing to what he has in running back. But if you're going to tell me that you don't think Hopkins and Odell are underperforming, you're batshit insane. Oh, I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but he has three total victory points on this on the year that way underperforming that's that's a whole new level where you've got other guys that are at six and seven potentially with that underperforming is a is a different piece in my mind i think this is just shit i agree but look at what he was dealt arguably his number one pick 
retired a week before the season started. That's hard to recover from. And he tried riding the ship with a few things. He always kind of knew what he was doing. He sold right away. And I think he sticked to the plan. You sell a few pieces, get maybe a younger core in a few spots, but you have that base that you just go from. So what pieces do you sell then? Well, I mean, Aaron, or Aaron Andrew, wow, wow, wow. Aaron Rodgers Aaron is obvious. I will take that purchase all day long. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you look at. I mean, he's a 35-year-old QB, and I'm not the biggest fan, but I know many still are, and rightfully so. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I can understand that. So that, I mean, is kind of where you start, right? Maybe Joe Flacco, too? I don't know. Yeah, you have to sell both of them well not have to but if you're moving forward you're playing for future they're not the future Flacco's backups on IR would he have been replaced by now by him if he wasn't that's a good question Rodgers is gonna be his team I just don't know what that offense is I think they need to get into a game where they actually have to do a shootout the one time they did they lost so do you think do you think selling a DeAndre Hopkins or an OBJ because they're underperforming and more so Beckham and how atrociously awful that that Browns offense have been, is that something that he could potentially acquire those future pieces, understanding that we do have this underperforming part? I mean, you can, but what are you going to get in return? It's totally, what have you done for me lately? I mean... What you'd get from McCaffrey after this week to, compared to what you'd get to McCaffrey after week two when he put up seven points is different. And I don't sell those cornerstone pieces at their lowest value. I mean, Evans put up zero. Do I sell him for just one first? No. The dude's a stud. He'll bounce back, but he underperformed. Yeah, I mean, patience is always often... The right answer in dynasty you can't panic these guys have value on a year-to-year basis not a game-to-game basis for 95 percent of them so that's that's a very good point nick um but i don't but dan's right too i mean zane has three victory points and when we look at like staying the course you know building for the future that's one thing but i mean he has what three first round picks now after inquiring david montgomery I mean, are three rookies really going to turn him from, at this point, I mean, you can make a case being the worst team in the league into being a playoff contender? I'm not sure. Maybe? I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't buy that it could. But it's a good start. And it's not like his cornerstone pieces are that old. Um, You throw in some supporting roles. I mean, Tyler Lockett's a wide receiver one. He's got great supporting um, what he does have is tight end talent. Evan Ingram and Dallas Goddard and Kyle Rudolph. Those are all interesting pieces to move. I'm not saying it because I need a tight end. He has tight ends. Let's trade. It's just, it's logical. You don't want to trade one of the big wide receivers. At least I wouldn't trade Hopkins or Hopkins or uh, Odell. No one really wants to trade for his running back core. I could see people going after Flacco or Rodgers, but the real meat that he has to sell, I think, is that tight end core. I, I see it in the wide receiver core. I think that 
given the opportunity to to potentially sell an OBJ or or a Hopkins and understanding what he bought Hopkins for and I think this more comes down to the to what he can sell sell Odell Beckham Jr. for I think he can pick up uh, a second third year running back that can consistently put up numbers in the offense I I think those are the pieces that you got to look for or you try and get younger at your quarterback position and and you see what you can get out of it see that'd be a great trade package it with someone old for a young quarterback and maybe a not so great position and i love that you said trade him for a running back talent don't trade him for a pick if you trade him for a pick you're basically using that pick to get someone as good as him so that doesn't make sense to me and i really like that you went that route because that way makes the most sense you trade odell maybe you get a lesser running back in value wise and you get another piece. Okay, my running back core is better. I took a slight hit here, but holy shit, I still have Hopkins. Like, say you go for, we'll use Nick. You get Allen Robinson and James Conner for Odell. That's actually not a terrible trade in my eyes. I mean, Nick may view it different because it's his team, but it's almost a win-win. You look at something like that, you get, you go down a little bit from Odell to Robinson, but you're going up by Connor compared to starting Frank Gore. Those are the kind of moves, at least if I'm rebuilding, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, I definitely get it. And it also doesn't help that when you look at first round draft picks, right now, Sam and Zane have a monopoly on it. I think having nine of the 12 picks for next year's draft. So it's not even like you can just go out and willy nilly get a draft pick from every team. There's only like four teams that have first next year. So that throws a wrench, a monkey wrench into this entire plan too, or into that scenario that you could do. I'm with you. I mean, getting players would be great. And I think what we're seeing when you look at these top teams, like look at the teams that are scoring a lot of points, a lot of them are on the bat or are being carried by running backs. So don't get me wrong. Wide receivers are safe as they come quarterbacks too, but the running backs like the Christian McCaffrey's, you know, Austin Eckler, I mean, Dalvin Cook, I mean, Saquon, Alvin Kamara, like those running backs are just next level good because first of all, there's just such a position scarcity. Like there's, there's only so many running backs that are just tier S, if you will, whereas there's not many tier S players at the quarterback, the tight end and the wide receiver position. So I think Zane at some point does need a running back and maybe that'll come in next year's draft and maybe it'll come in a trade, but he's got to find a way to address that position. And that all sucks. It sucks too, because he's got to address the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger and Joe Flacco sure as hell isn't going to be good enough on a contender. So this, the annual Zane segment has come and gone and, uh, Maybe we'll be back again next week with more conversation on another Zane trade or another awful Zane loss. Um, But let's move on to another interesting one because this week or this last week, we saw another quarterback injury. Mason Rudolph got the shit kicked out of him by Earl Thomas. I never saw a quarterback have their face mask removed. Have, Have any of you guys ever seen that before? I was blown away. It happened 
once this year, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it was a quarterback, but I know that there was another injury where they had to take somebody's face mask off and put him on the stretcher and wheel him out. But I tell you what, the look on Mason Rudolph's face when he got coming out, I don't think he knew which way was up. He looked like he, he looked like a super special kid that had to put the helmet on just for his own safety. See, the funny thing you say there is you saw another person get carted off. The fucker didn't even get carted off because the cart broke. <laughs> there is a thing that came out that said he made the decision that he could walk off. You just said what he looked like. Is he making any logical decisions at that point in his life? I'm pretty sure he was trying to find the blue rabbit in the stands at that point in time. He did not have any idea where the hell he was. Like, then it's owner. And then I saw another meme where it was like, Antonio Brown's at home bitching because he wanted that helmet and they're letting Mason Rudolph wear it. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. But anyways, to get back on topic, um, Mason Rudolph obviously got the shit kicked out of him unfortunately and last i saw it's probably fairly assured that he's going to be out this week that means surprise surprise another starting quarterback is available on the waiver wire in delvin hodge delvin hodges um he was willing to pass the ball more than five yards compared to mason rudolph so that's encouraging whether he's going to be fantasy viable i don't know but it is interesting because we've seen, first of all, this is the year of the backup quarterbacks. I feel like a third of the league has played their backup or will play their backup before the end of the year. Um, and we're seeing a lot of people then bid on these players, acquire these players, and then also, in some cases, start these players either out of necessity or they believe in them or they just think, I need to start a quarterback because I can play a quarterback. Um but a lot of these quarterbacks are shitting the bed. So, I mean, for either of you guys, how do you decide to start a quarterback? Start a, start a quarterback, and kind of evaluate that with some of the other positions. Is the quarterback a set and forget? A set and regret, forget in terms of who you have. If you had Watson and Russell, that's a set and forget. If you have, what do I have? I have. Baker, who scored literally negative points. Dak is kind of failing, almost set and forget. But now, you know, I picked up Gardner. I'm plugging him. Um, If he was playing as well as maybe Colt McCoy or Hodges or whatever the hell his name was, I probably wouldn't. And that is based on the team's game plan. I mean, you look at what they did when Mason Rudolph first came in. Jalen Samuel took six or seven snaps as a quarterback. So maybe always going two quarterbacks, not the right call. It depends on the talent. But if you have good position players, why start a third-string quarterback? Because you can. Because it's super flex, I don't necessarily think you always have to do super flex. I agree. I think it's everybody looks at this super flex option, this ability to start two quarterbacks. But you have to make sure that you understand that there's different matchups and understanding that Gardner Minshew went into Carolina with the number one passing defense and kind of tore them a a new backside with at least their ability to move the ball through the air. But I think you have to look at part of this. Kyler Murray hasn't hasn't moved the ball extremely well. Is is he necessarily a a must-start if you're going through and you have these additional running backs or wide receivers that have favorable matchups? I think looking at the matchup, who they're playing, where they're playing, the time they're playing – watching the, the West Coast teams go East Coast, I think these all play into where you make your decisions. What they from. had for breakfast, maybe? I'm going to interrupt you, though. Kyler Murray is quarterback nine on the season. So, yes, I would start him. Are they the worst red zone offense in the league? 
No, Miami is. But there's a stat of how many touchdowns per attempt percentage-wise. The league average is around four and a half. Kyler's at two. Russell Wilson's at seven. Okay, so maybe that, that has maybe to that go up. A, maybe that was a bad decision, but okay. So let's look at a. Let's see. I'm scrolling through rosters right here. And Andy Dalton, for example. Do you start an Andy Dalton in some situations versus others? I completely agree. It's like you look at Kyle Allen. You look at Mason Rudolph. Look at Bridgewater. Look at Daniel well, Jones. Let's let's look at this past week. Prime example. Not to pick on Kevin because he's got PTSD from all the awful injuries, but he started Colt McCoy this week against the Patriots. Colt McCoy plays for the Redskins. Colt McCoy scored 4.16 points. Kevin benched DJ Moore, Muhammad Sanu. Hell, even Kiki Kuti against that porous Falcons defense to play Colt McCoy. Like, this is the poster boy for that decision to at least think about looking at other options, right? I, I, and I'll be the first one to say that. I'm also in this very unique situation where I have Kirk Cousins playing this week, but I also have Josh Allen on a bye, and, uh, and understanding if Mitchell's still out, Chase Daniels is, is on a bye, because that's how it plays out. Is Dwayne Haskins going to start this week, understanding all the bullshit that comes into there? Do I really want to sit down and start Dwayne Haskins this week, understanding that that I have these different pieces that could go in there and score more than 12, 13 points. And I think that's 100% where you where you take that opportunity at. But Dwayne Haskins is playing Miami, and that comes into matchups. I don't think he's starting from everything I'm reading, but if he does start against Miami, that one you may have to tickle. But that again comes to matchups. Do you start a third stringer against the number one defense in the league? No. Yeah. I think for me, what it comes down to with quarterbacks, how I view them, and this isn't for all quarterbacks, so I won't say all of them, but for about 95% of them, my general rule is a quarterback is probably going to get you at least 12 points. Now, that's not always true. You know, you could have Baker Mayfield shut the bad this, shut the bad, wow, shut the bad this week against the Niners. You could have, you know, Colt McCoy put up four points against the Patriots. But by and large, if I'm starting 95% of the quarterbacks, I'm going to bank on them getting 12 points. So if I'm not going to start a quarterback, I need to be very confident with who I'm starting over him. If I was Kevin, I would have probably started DJ Moore over Colt McCoy. I think he had a good matchup, and I feel like I could have counted on him to get me at least 12 points. Now, again, that's hindsight, and I get it, but... That would be kind of my barometer, I think, if I'm looking at quarterbacks and if I'm going to start this C-list player or if I'm going to start my flex-worthy running back or wide receiver, whatever the situation is. Yeah, I mean, you have to play matchups and what's just happening. You know, that backup third Hodges, I think his name is, I don't think you start him pretty much no matter what. I mean, their offensive line hasn't looked great. It's just, it's ugly. I mean, I think the other fun thing to look at, though, is you look at the potential points that each team has the opportunity to score. We're you're up over 1,000 on the potential points and just shy of 900 in, in the amount of points that you've actually scored, which is one of the lowest, I believe, as far as 
breakdowns between what you could have started for the best and what you couldn't have. And I guarantee you, when you look at some of these teams with the, with the best matchups they have, it's not starting two quarterbacks. And it's, yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty, and luck is all bullshit, but at the end of the day, I mean, you just you take what's, what the matchups give you, you take what your gut goes with, and you hope to hell you make the right decision. But is two quarterbacks always the best answer? I don't think so. Fair enough. Um, before we move on from this topic, Delvin Hodges, again, maybe don't start him, but is he someone worth adding? In a super flex, any starting quarterback is, I mean, you could get the next Gardner Minshew or the next Tom Brady or the next Kurt Warner. They were all people who came in. I mean, Brady, as everyone knows, sixth round pick, who the fuck would have taken him in their rookie draft? He's behind Bledsoe, who was on a pretty much Hall of Fame career. Kurt Warner wasn't even drafted. Are you going to take him in your rookie draft? Hell no. Gardner Minshew wasn't drafted. Guess what? He's a top 10 quarterback right now. So any starting quarterback is worth rostering until you can see it play out. Colt McCoy was a known commodity. So again, we're going to rag on Kevin. But he's also the one that actually brought this question to us. He wanted us to talk about it. So it's a great point to look at. You know, the known commodity versus the unknown. Any starting quarterback in a super flex is worth rostering. I will full-heartedly stand behind that statement until I die. 100%. I mean, I want to take it a step further. We have 30-person rosters. And, again, quarterbacks, like you said, they might not all be set and forgets, but they all are worth rostering. You know, should more backups be rostered? I saw this week, I noticed a few players or a few team members started adding some backups. I mean, is that maybe something that people should consider, especially when we look at, it seems like every other week someone is getting injured. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the age and some quarterbacks that suck. Like two weeks ago, I grabbed Sean Mannion because I honestly thought Kirk Cousins, if he kept on that path, he's gone. So guess what? I potentially could have had another starting quarterback. There's some good names out there. Um, They're all taken, obviously, but you look at, like, what Sam did. Easton Stick. Rivers isn't young. He doesn't really take care of his body. He takes a lot of hits in his throwing arm. That's a great one to have. There's a few, you know, every running back, you get their handcuffed. There's a few quarterbacks where handcuffs actually could be relevant, especially in a 30-man roster. I mean, there's people who have free agents rostered, so... If you're throwing a dart, at least throw a dart at someone playing football. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Yep, I, I, I think it's a good point to make. It, there, I guarantee you there's a lot of people that have at least one, potentially two people on their rosters that they're hoping and praying that, that are coming back or anything like that. I was listening to something today where they were with a gun. One guy was like, if you still have Antonio Brown on your roster, you're a freaking moron. The fact that you think that this guy's going to play in the next two years, you're probably a bigger idiot than most people would begin with use that for something that's going to be relevant to what you need to go through and do and having a backup quarterback or a handcuff for two weeks out where you take a take a flyer on somebody that you never know might be in a good situation and you hope and pray that that you make a good decision and if it pans out awesome if not you're getting the same amount of points as you would have by rostering a guy that's a fourth string running back that that your hope's going to play via injuries all right great great way to end it dan i agree um, all right, before we jump into the matchups, let's just, I want to look at um, the DC League, because right now this 
we're seeing some separation, but we're also seeing some teams be aggressive with moves and, you know, trade talks and all that stuff. And I'm curious how you guys look at the division and kind of handicap it for the playoffs. Um, Dan, I know obviously you're in the division, so it's near and dear to your heart. So I'm going to let you just maybe start it out. Um, it's an interesting piece. You look at there's four victory points that separate the top four teams in this division. This is a, a week-to-week matchup-to-matchup. Who's going to go ahead and score the points? Uh, I mean, when you look at the, the difference between potential points and the decisions you make, the, the shorter the gap there, the, the better your life decision is. And, and that's where you look at part of that. And, and I obviously have the betterment of that. I'm 140 points chasing. Franchise 12 is 150 points that he's, that he's chasing. Kevin's at 130 points, which so he's better than I am. And Stefan's actually got the widest gap with uh, just shy of 200. Who's going to go through and, and make the best decisions as part of it? I think that really plays down to how you value your team, the, the start sits that you make each week, and obviously what kind of fluky matchup you catch with playing somebody in the other division or which guy's going to go off for 53 points in a in a, in a day, um, I handicapping it though. I think I'm at one. I, I like where my where my stuff is. Understanding that I had a really rough first two weeks, but I like where the teams rebounded. And obviously, the Christian McCaffrey workload scares me. Um, understanding the longevity of what I want to have him for in his career is the really interesting piece. Um, uh, I've got franchise twelve at two, and I'm gonna. Oh man, the 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 Taron, between Kevin and, and Stefan, this is really, really very interesting to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer off that third one for right now. Um, I think you can flip the coin either way, but I think making up three to four potential points, understanding that's just one week's worth of things, but it's hard to bet against Mahomes. So I'm gonna jump in. You know, I, I do have you as my one seed, but how do you feel about Kirk Cousins? Was last week a fluke, or is he on the rebound? I tell you what, for a, a number two quarterback on my roster, understanding that I'm hoping Dwayne Haskins gets the whatever little bit of learning he can from a veteran like Colt McCoy going down, Josh Allen's the guy that I have to turn to. And if it comes down to Kirk Cousins putting 12 to 15 points up a week, that's I'll take that each and every week. But do I over, feel overly confident that he's going to carry me? No, absolutely not. How confident are you with Josh Allen's body holding together? He needs to take care of himself. If he doesn't, that will sink you. I completely agree. I am I am at the midst of a running quarterback that could absolutely get labeled and destroyed at any point in time, and he's already been destroyed once. Hoping and praying that, that they continue to invest in the offensive line to protect him. Um, I live and die by Josh Allen in many leagues, this league being one of them. And then you got to go, you know, so we're looking at the outlook here. Week seven, you and my eyes, the goggles do nothing. Guess who's on by week seven? Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, And you are playing the highest scoring team in the league. Thank God. I know that. This is great news. I did a little bit of a look here, and I think that's going to be your biggest matchup. Um, That one, you have a potential to get zero victory points. And where a division that victory points are at a premium i i think week seven you need to circle and start trying to find something 
to fill that gap you're going to lose. But everybody has that. Everybody's got their star player that's going to go out on that. Yeah, it, it, it feels shitty that, that I'm going to go through and play the, the guy that's got 1,000 potential points that's just shy of 900 points and, and points for 100%. But then you got to hope that you go through and, and you, you you piss on Kevin's parade that he, he's going to have the same problem and the same opportunity that these guys that are going to have to play me might have guys on by. I know there's a different league where I play you in week nine and you have every single mother freaking person on your team on a bye that week. It's all crapshoot. You hope the hell that, that a guy like Mark Ingram can step up and, and have a three-touchdown game in part of that, and you get bigger plays out of it. Yeah, I'm nervous, but at the end of the day, I need to make sure I take care of my business in those other weeks, and it, it, you hope and pray. Yeah, I mean, that that is fantasy football. So then for my second seed, I actually have Kevin tearing my ACL. He's getting Darnold back. Cam Newton's should be on the rebound soon. Um and that's going to help his two flex options there. You know, starting Colt McCoy sucked. But guess what? You're going to get two quarterbacks that actually are good back within. I mean, Barkley's but or Donald's back this week. Cam's a few week. You know, Saquon, the superhuman, he might actually freaking play this week. I think maybe I this think morning I he got ruled out. Yeah, I don't think and he's playing. if you're playing New England's run defense on a short week, I'd actively tell them my ankle hurts and give me a week and a half to recover to play. I don't even know who they have after that. But he, Kevin's coming back from injuries, and I think it's going to be dirty. I mean, he lost Derek Henry or uh, Hunter Henry. Guess what? Will Disley is putting up numbers that are insane. He plugged that hole. The only thing that's going to sink him is his start and sit and wide receiver. You know, we've said it before. You know, your start sits, your potential to your actual points. Kevin making the playoffs matters on this start sit in the wide receiver core. And I think with Darnold coming back, Robbie Anderson becomes relevant. Fitzgerald's been relevant. Galladay's been relevant. DJ Moore, great. Calvin Ridley, great. Sterling Shepard coming back, maybe. Do you want many pieces that offense? I mean, he's still producing. He's averaging over 12 points a game, 13 points a game. I really like Kevin's team, and with everyone coming healthy, I think that's a team to fear. Um, so that's certainly my number two seed. And then I have Flash as my three seed, so I don't even have Franchise 12 making my playoffs. You know, Flash is getting Gordon back, and that's huge. Um, his quarterbacks, though, Goff is not looking him his same self. I think teams are actually starting to learn that the head coach is actually the quarterback. Um, so once that mic gets shut off and Goff actually has to do stuff on his own, I'm pretty sure you can see a brown streak down his leg. And then, you know, Rivers, last week is peak Rivers. He can have those games where he gets three or four points because he just keeps throwing it to the other team. But he also has those weeks where he gets 30. That's a quarterback with consistent issues. And that's a scary situation for him. Although Brisket's been an, or Brissett's been a revelation. So maybe you start looking at switching it up for him. You know, his running back core is amazing. And he's getting Melvin Gordon to add to it. So everyone should fear it. He's getting Tyreek Hill back. That's another team that's getting healthy. So I think him and Kevin are going to fight for those spots, but I'm going to go with Kevin's quarterbacks and Saquon carrying him into the two seed. 
Alright, so here's my kind of take on the division. I think when you look at, just ignore record, just look at the rosters and look, alright, season starts, or you can pick these rosters, like which ones do you want the most? I think the two best rosters are two teams that are currently out of the playoffs, and that would be, in some order, Flash Gordon and Sauce. I think they both have very similar strengths in the sense that they are carried by their running backs, and they also have great wide receivers. Um, in Flash's case, obviously, with a healthy Tyree Kill. They both have a stud tight end, and they both have a plethora of flex options. The quarterbacks for both teams are a bit dicey. They might not be great NFL quarterbacks outside of Matt Ryan, but they are all at least producing on a fantasy aspect of things. On the flip side, like I led off with, they're both not in the playoffs right now. So they've kind of dug themselves into a hole. So that gives me some concern. I think if I was to break down my first team, I'm going to go with Flash Gordon. He's going to be my one seed. I just think he's presumably going to be getting healthy. Tyree Kill, it sounds like he might be back this week, if not the following week. And that's going to be a huge boon to his roster, combined with the fact that he has a great running back core and, you know, Tyler Eifert is great. I mean, Cortland Sutton, we haven't really talked about him, but he's been, talk about a wide receiver that is taking that leap. I don't know if he's a super duper star, but he's clearly a wide receiver too. And that's allowed uh, Stefan to do some trades and move some other wide receivers for another running back. And the Leonard Fournette trade, I saw a crazy stat that since week two, Leonard Fournette is like the fifth most targeted running back in the passing game that is absurd for a running back that is going to get as much touch or much carries as Leonard Fournette is going to get on a daily basis the fact that he's getting all this work in the passing game it's it's almost unfair to think that he has Leonard Fournette Nick Chubb healthy Melvin Gordon and then you factor in the rookie top rookie running back in Josh Jacobs and of course Ronald Jones you know Raheem Mostert, um, he, he's definitely just got backups. And even Jamal Williams, he clearly has a role in that Packers offense. So I, I like him as my number one. I think for two, I'm going to give it to Dan's team. I'm still, I'm a little worried about the running backs, or not the running backs, excuse me, the, the quarterbacks. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I'm all in on the Kool-Aid. This is the number one running or the number one asset right now for running backs and he's he's not human he gets touches the ball 40 times a game it's it doesn't make sense um after that though it's it's interesting i want to go i want to go with steve and sauce but i really think i'm really worried about the hole that he dug himself and i'm not sure if he's going to be able to to make it back and qualify for the playoffs so I'm gonna actually go with franchise twelve for my fourth or for my third seed. I think he's got an interesting roster and he's got great running backs. Austin Eckler is still gonna have a role. And you talk about guys getting healthier coming back. I mean Golden Tate, I think once he gets integrated in this Giants offense, is gonna be a guy that just he's gonna be just steady as they come you know wide receiver three flex territory guy but he's really gonna help him win games the only issue with um adam's team i think is at the tight end position he's got to address that i think in some capacity but if he does i think this is a team that could to my 
disbelief make the playoffs. Okay, so I would, I, I'm going to challenge you for a real quick second here. Yeah, so, go for it. Quarterback between Stefan and me. Stefan has the 12th and 13th ranked quarterback to my 16 and 21. Edge Stefan. Running backs. Both have two in the top 10 and three in the top 15, with myself holding the number one ranked running back overall. Wide receiver. Stefan has one wide receiver in the top 32 to my four that I have there. And I currently have, as I projected, a top five tight end going into the season in Austin Hooper. So I get that his might look a little bit better, but I have a team that's performing, and I think most of that is sustainable. Well, I think for me the biggest counter to that is he's going to get a healthy Tyree Kill back. And, I mean, Tyree Kill, last year we saw him, he was a top 10 wide receiver. Even if he's conservatively, let's just say a top 20 wide receiver, Stefan's team right now is clearly carried by its running backs. He's got... For my money, I think it, at, they might not have produced like scoring numbers at this point, but he's got four running backs that are going to be probably in the top 15 on a weekly basis, and that's game-changing good. So that, for me, is what kind of puts him ahead of your team. Um, don't get me wrong, it's it's splitting hairs. It's a little nitpicky, but I... I just believe in those running backs, and I think those hogs and those Stalins are going to lead him to victory. See, I'm glad you went running back. Segue to running back, because you go franchise 12 being your third seed. Yep, yep, yep. Does Matt Breida get a reduced role now that Coleman's back? Well, he's certainly going to get something reduced because he's not the bell cow. Does Eckler get a reduced role because Melvin Gordon's back? Absolutely, his role is reduced because now he has to share carries and targets. I honestly think those two factors are what's going to hurt him and make him miss the playoffs. If you look at that, his starting running back then, Chris Carson. Great running back. Thursday he proved he is electric. And then Adrian Peterson? I mean, Eckler is a great flex without Gordon. Great flex play. Not a running back two play. Is Matt Breida going to be a running back two play with Coleman there? I, I mean, think, after yes, last night, I'll, yes. I'll stop you there. Will, not, even, not even that, though. Like, this is a run-first team that is rushing for, like, 200-plus yards a game. True. Like, True. Shanahan doesn't trust Jeremy Garoppolo. He is going to want to run the ball first, second, third, fourth, fifth down if he had it his way. But I'll, and, I'll interject but, one second because I actually agreed with Booger McFarland for one thing last night. How oh much gosh. does losing that fullback hurt this team? On that 85-yard touchdown run, Yushek's block was amazing. He sealed the edge, blocked the cornerback into the safety, took two guys down to bust him open for 85. They run the most fullback sets in the NFL. I think he's by far the highest-paid fullback. He's one of the highest-paid running backs, and he's a fullback. Losing him is going to be devastating. I think the only thing I'll say to that is you got to give a little credit to Shanahan he knows how to design an offense and while losing juice is gonna suck for those running backs I think he's gonna find a way to persevere and I think Brita is gonna maintain probably a top 20-ish top 18-ish running back status um 
But I mean, I that to your point too. I do get he doesn't have like the stud running backs. I think for me, what keeps Adam currently in the playoffs is the fact that right now he is the second highest victory point holder in the league. Twelve points is a lot. I mean, that is. We look at Sauce's team. He literally has seven more points than him, and we're through five weeks of the season. Um, of course, that can get made up. There's a lot of there's what seven more. Seven more weeks to go, or eight. So there's there's points to be had, but I just look at the advantage that he has right now, and I think that's going to be difficult for some teams to overcome. And I think what he did for the first five weeks could potentially carry him. Oh yeah, I, that's why I have Sauce not making the playoffs. That deficit is just too big to overcome, even with how great his roster is. And I think. F- I think Franchise 12 has hit that peak. I think it comes back to earth. Mahomes, with that bad ankle, looks human. And that is scary for his outlook. And that's pretty much one of the main reasons I put him at that four spot is I think there's going to be a lot of painful days ahead for Mahomes. Eh, that's fair. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, the the third spot came down to Adam or Kevin, and I could definitely be talked into Kevin's team. Um, it's it's just such a close division, and I am not envious of the teams that are currently in it. Um, Dan, you never gave us your, your third team. Who do you have? I'll take Kevin. That's a sympathy pick because I love him. Um, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me that Stefan edges that out. Uh, I'll take Stefan as my third seat. Sorry, Kevin. Love you. All right. So to confirm, it sounds like we were three for three in having Kevin, or excuse me, having Dan and Stefan in the playoffs, and we all Correct. disagreed on the third one. Nope. I went with Adam, and nope. you guys both went with Kevin. Nope. I did Kevin. And... I have Kevin as well. I have Stefan being as my odd man out right now. Oh, okay. My apologies. All right. Well, we'll see. It's. I think trades are going to potentially influence that division a lot. Um, Zane obviously is potentially trying to brew up some stuff. We'll see if anything gets done. Um, but I think I think a trade or two is going to shake up that division. That's my prediction. I mean, you forget the dark horse trade candidate. You have Jer, who's got some talent, who probably should be selling or could be selling so that's another person people need to look at for trades too i think yeah i mean there's you know chair should be selling is 100 percent correct i think the same for cold steel and sunshine he should maybe consider selling i mean we touched on zane um sam would probably sell his own brother if he could so i'm sure he would be willing to talk any player on his roster um and look there's always the chance for a wild card you know you look at sauce's team if he if steve says uh yeah maybe i'm not gonna make the playoffs maybe we have a surprise seller so that's certainly a possibility as well uh before we jump into the weekly matchups is there any last minute things either you guys want to touch on I think I'm I'm ready to jump into matchups, and I'd be curious to see where our matchup picks have gone week to week as far as overall standings. Do you have the overall standings? No, I didn't pull them. I just <laughs> I just 
thought about that right now as we're getting ready to make these picks. I do not have them. Um, let's try to make it our homework this week to go through our matchups, see how the standings look, and see if there's any you know Rain Man on this staff or for picking matchups. De- or who the kiss of death is for, for each individual. <laughs> Fair enough. That, that's our homework for this week. Um, so let's start with matchups, and we'll start with kind of the, I guess someone has to win this matchup. Three Blind Mice versus American Psycho. Nick, do you want the honors? Dan? Uh, no, I don't. I'll, I'll take it. I think Jerry's going to win this one. I, I think that that'll be the most amount of time I'll spend on this. I like the running back core, and um, I, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's just going to fall in his favor. Yeah, I'll lean Jerry just because I refuse to pick Sam to win a game. Yeah, unless Godwin and Wentz go off for like 60 points, give me Jer as well. Um, all right, the let's go to the next matchup. And how about we do another matchup no one cares about except for people playing in it? Zane versus, or Z versus Under Construction. Sam, or excuse me, wow, Sean versus Zane. Yeah, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Zane. I think it's a get-right game for his wide receivers. I think they're going to boom. I mean, not quite Will Fuller boom, but I'm going to pick Zane as for a rebound game. I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to take uh, under construction. Uh, Bridgewater's proven that he can be a, a decent quarterback. Mariota's shown signs of life. Kamara's going to take his thing. When you look at the fact that Yeldon's on a bye and Chester Rogers is on a bye, I think you can take a, a Keelan Cole maybe or a, um, maybe a, yeah, okay, that's a little rough there, Adam Humphreys, and he bakes on the Tennessee game. Uh, I'm just going to stick with that. I, I'm not I'm not buying into the, to the, to the Zane's going to pull one back here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Sean, too, just for the simple fact that Zane has to start Miles Sanders and then either Ty Montgomery or C.J. Procise as his running backs for the week. With Frank Gore and both the Bears running backs on by. That's less than ideal. Um, Alright, next matchup. Let's do... Flash Gordon versus Franchise 12. Stefan versus Adam. I'm going to take Stefan Big in this one. I think the ankle injury is going to hinder Mahomes. Um, Melvin, Melvin had some game time, so he's a little better off now. I'm going to lean Stefan Big on this one. I agree. I like I like Stefan a lot in this matchup. Uh, the hill factor is going to be the interesting piece. Um, does he come back? You look over at Franchise 12, and he's starting Jalen Samuels and Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster with the third-string quarterback. I'm not buying the what that's going to happen in that offense. Yeah, let's make it a, sl- a sweep. I'm going to go with Flash Gordon as well this week. I think, um, like, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the Mason Rudolph, you know, what does the Steelers offense look like? He also lost, you know, Jalen Samuel, who's out for a month. Um, and he was starting to look like a solid E-flex option, maybe. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster, I have no idea what to expect to him, expect from him at this point. 
So yeah, give me Flash Gordon this week. All right, we are down to which matchup? Okay, the juicier matchups. Um, let's do Cold Steel and Sunshine versus Sauce. I'm going to lean Sauce. I mean, we were all just raving about his roster. I I don't see a weakness, and it's not like he's really dealing with too many injuries right now. Maybe David Johnson. They're saying he's questionable, but I think he's going to play. And some of his teams just have juicy matchups. So, it, I mean, with everything we've said, we've been talking about Steve's roster. I have to pick Sauce to win this one. Um, I'll play the other way. I'll go to Cold Steel and Sunshine. Um, Gurley I like. Kelsey I like. I think the big X factor is going to be Ken Wolf Fuller take the top off again and have a really good matchup. Jameis Winston's playing at 8.30. Uh, at least it goes, the game kicks at 8.30 our time, but he's in London, um, and he's playing the the defense has just got decimated through the air by Gardner Minshew. I think Jameis Winston doesn't have a very good game. I think that hurts Sauce. Um, so I'm going to take Cold Steel and Sunshine. Ooh. The rubber match decider for me. Um, It's a tough one. I think both teams have a pretty severe buy, you know, a situation in terms of Marlon Mack being out for Steve and for Chris, he is down T.Y. Hilton. Um, so the wide receiver situation for Chris just really blows. Will Fuller, he jumped up to wide receiver 21 after that 53-point outing. But after that, he's got Philip Dorsett, Danny Amendola, or Nelson Aguilar as his option. Uh, that's not, or I guess Brashard Perriman too, but that's not great. Um, I'm going to give the slight edge to Steve. But I think this is going to be a really close matchup that'll probably come down to maybe a DJ Chark versus Todd Gurley. Whoever gets that edge, I think, could be the deciding uh, winner for that game. Then that means the last matchup, the matchup of the week. Nope, oh, there's one more. Oh, there is? Yeah, me and Kevin. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I understand where this is another forgettable matchup because I'm going to beat the shit out of Kevin. Um, simply because it's Sam Darnold's first game back. Um, he's, I, I'm still not sold on the Will Disley train, even though I've been proven wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm only starting one quarterback in Kirk Cousins this week. That could be interesting. But it's hard. I love McCaffrey. I love Ingram. I love Lindsey. I've got good wide receiver matchups. And Austin Hooper has been the number one tight end for a reason in this league. I like myself. I am going to lean the other way. I think getting Darnold back's huge, and he's getting his tight end back as well on Herndon, and those two have a connection. I like their matchups this week. I don't necessarily like some of yours. Kirk is scary. Um, Buccaneers defense is actually decent against the run right now. They're the number two run defense to running backs, and Caffrey didn't finish the game. He's he's nursing something, and that it's a wear and tear. That was just cramps. Yeah, me. cramps. I <sighs> sense the cramps in your voice hearing about McCaffrey's injury. I mean, that's got to come into effect. And if they blow the roof off of him, which is very possible, do they sit him to rest him? There's a lot of scary things with McCaffrey. 
going into the bye next week, you're playing, I mean, they did beat the Rams at home, so the Buccaneers can't do it, but with how bad the Buccaneers are against the pass, I just think there's other weapons that could maybe be used to maybe help rest McCaffrey a little to get him through the year. So that's why I'm leaning Kevin. And he's, he's got good matchups. Sure, Saquon, 99% chance not playing. But I do like the return of Darnold, and I think Kirk Cousins go, goes back to what he was, and you're going to miss probably be outscored by 40 points in the quarterback category so I think you're chasing and the chance that McCaffrey has to sit and get rest and is hurt could decide it for me so I'm going to lean slight edge to Kevin uh, all right I'm going to give the edge to Dan for the simple reason that I really like the Austin Hooper matchup against the Arizona Cardinals that's been a cheat code so far this season and Mark Ingram against Cincinnati, I think the the Ravens are going to roll over that team this weekend. Um, even Cousins and Thielen against the Eagles, they just haven't been very good defensively against the pass. So I think even though there's going to be a lot of pressure maybe on that Eagles front four, I think that they're going to continue the trend of being productive with um, Kirk Cousins passing the ball. Um, it will be close, and Kevin does have some good matchups. Um, particularly, I think that Derrick Henry matchup against Denver, that would scare me if I was Dan, because they are god-awful at playing against big running backs, and I could see Derrick Henry going for 30 to 35 points this weekend. Um, going to give the slight edge to Dan, but it's going to be a very, very close matchup, I think. All right, finally, unless I forgot another mystery matchup. Uh, you can go to the matchup Okay, good. Matchup of the week. The Knicks. The selfish person that I am, I'm clearly excited for this. Um, my eyes the goggles do nothing versus Captain Mayfield. Let's have some unbiased views, and we'll have Dan start with us. Absolutely not. You guys can go first, because I guarantee I'm going to be the guy that's going to be picking between the two of you. Touche. Nick, do you want the honors, or do you want me to say? You say that, but I'm going to pick Nick to win because my team is shitting the bed. I put up 75 points. I'm actually benching Mayfield this week, so maybe I win. But I just, with the quarterback advantage, I lean Nick. I mean, can Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson replicate what they did last week? I pray no. But it's just hard for me to pick myself in this one unless Diggs shows up, Allen comes back to productivity, and Evans doesn't goose. I give the slight edge to Nick, but I think it's going to be super close. So here's why I kind of like... I'm, I'm going to pick me because I'm that person, but I really like your running back matchups this week, Nick. Kerryon Johnson against the porous Packers defense, rush defense at least, I think could be a problem. Joe Mixon against Baltimore. I mean, I feel like Joe Mixon just always does good, does good against Baltimore. And then Damian Williams, if there was ever a game for a shootout, this Houston-Kansas City game is going to be that. And I think Damian Williams is going to be heavily involved. He's clearly the running back that Andy Reid trusts the most. And I think he's 
he and that entire Kansas City team, I think, are going to rebound this week. So your running backs will really worry me this week, especially when mines all have... I mean, Sonny Michelle should have a good matchup against the Giants, but Delvin Cook against the Eagles, front seven, and then James Conner against the Chargers, I just worry about that quite a bit, to be honest. Um, so I'll give the slight edge to me just because of the quarterbacks, but the fact that you're starting Gardner Minshew gives me pause because I've been advocating that for like three weeks now. So I think that reverse juju is going to cause you to win it. So actually, I midway through all that talking, have changed my vote to you to win this week. Dan, be the decider. Yeah, and just like this, I'm back in that spot where I expected you both are trying to put the bad juju onto each other. Um, I think this comes down to, to, to two things. Is how is anybody going to actually cover Amari Cooper? That I, I watched that Packers game, and, and every time Amari Cooper caught a ball, there wasn't a person within like six or seven yards of him, and it blew my absolute freaking mind. Um, and then it'll be Keenan Allen. Is Allen going to get back on track? He had a rough week last week. I think this rekindles. I think you watch Rivers understand that's great. I got Melvin Gordon back, but I'm going to go back to the tried and true that I need to go through and do. Yeah, we don't need Evans to throw up a goose egg, and I don't think he will. I think that that that's going to change with part of this. I like the quarterback matchups for 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 Ruth. I like where that goes into. I on the flip side though, I like a little bit more of the wide receiver pieces that 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 Weir has. Uh, I'm going to pick Weir, but I think this is going to be decided within 10 points, and I think both teams are going to be in the top six of scoring. I'm pretty content with us being in the top six of scoring. One point is better than no points, am I right? That is a factually correct statement, sir. Yeah, when you put up 75 and get none, it sucks. (laughs) It is not ideal. Um, All right, so another week is in the books. Um, It sounds like a lot of people have been active in trade talks, and there's a lot of stuff brewing. So I hope to see one or two moves. Um, But if not, you know, keep doing your thing. And we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat place. You guys all have a good week. Bye. Have a good one. See ya. Go Braves.